right. Come on, people. Amen. How are you doing this morning? Amen. David said it is good when I get to go into the house of the Lord. And uh, I love what Jessica's word was over there. I almost, uh, almost lost it over there. I'm like, you have got to get it together. And, uh, but God is good and he is gracious. Amen. Uh, well, my name is Pastor James, and, uh, and I am privileged to be one of the communicators here at the Avenue Church. We have so many good ones. Um, I am not the pastor, though. Uh, pastor Dave and Pastor Tara are off in a time of refreshing, and we encourage them to do that. And I know they're going to be watching online. So, uh, so we say just enjoy yourself, get refreshed, and we look forward to seeing you when you get back. And with that, let me go ahead and welcome our online crowd. We know that you could have chosen to watch any number of, of programs or churches this morning, but you chose to be with us, and we are honored to have you and considered a privilege and a blessing. Let's give it up for our online people this morning. Amen. Well, I tell you what, well, we're in the series, the, the best summer ever. And I think this is the second time that we've done this, and I absolutely love it because it just opens it up for some other communicators and even pastors to kind of preach on what uh, we think uh, could lead to you having one of the best summers ever. And so we try to dive down into the Word of God to be able to find some things that we think that can impact your life and help you be more successful in the way you walk and, and therefore lead you to having the best summer ever. I know that vacations add to that. I know that beach time and away time and late time and all the family time, all that adds to the best summer ever. But I am of a firm believer that any time that you can grow in God, whether it be summer, winter, fall, or spring, that that can be the best time of your life. And I am actually going to preach to you a message today that God has been dealing with me for six weeks now, and that He has actually impacted, is one of the most impactful things that He's ever done in my life personally. He's never been so consistent. Never been so determined for me to get this part of what I'm going to teach you tonight. So when I am, or today, what I'm teaching you is from my heart, and I believe it is some of the things that the Lord has shown me. And with His help, I believe that it's going to help you have the best summer ever. So the title of my sermon today is, And the Winner is Mercy. I almost wanted to name it Lord have mercy is hot out here but I'm like well that's a little too summery and maybe a little too off kilter but I want to know today that mercy wins and we're going to dive into that a little bit but before I do I just want to kind of lay down some groundwork some foundational stuff so that so that when I say mercy you're going to get it automatically just in case you may not know now Grace and mercy, are, are they're, they're almost synonymous. I don't know if that's the right word. But anyway, they go together like peanut butter and jelly. If you ever hear grace, it's almost always followed by mercy. Grace and mercy, grace and mercy. But there is a difference. And both of them, even though we tend to give grace a little bit more weight when it comes to salvation, dare I tell you that mercy, without mercy, grace is not possible. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Plain and simple. Mercy is not getting 
not getting what we do deserve. And I don't know about you, if you want to give me something free, that's great. You want to look me, let me off the hook for something that I've done wrong, that's even better. But that's not what I'm trying to tell you about mercy. Mercy, like grace, is not a license to live the, the life that you want to live away from God and, and without fearing repercussions or anything like that. We don't get to call mercy, mercy, mercy every time, even though I know for a fact that I've done some things in my life that if it was not for the mercy of God, that it never really came back around. It probably did, actually. That's not an actual true statement. It did, but I believe in the mercy of God lessening that to some degree. So just to go a little bit farther, grace is us... Grace is us getting all the benefits of being in relationship with God and not doing any of the work required to have that access. That's what grace is. We get all the benefits. We get to say, Abba, Father, to God because of what Jesus did. Nothing we've done. Only what he's done. But mercy is Jesus taking our place on the cross and going through all that he went through. That faith was supposed to be hours if we were going to pay the penalty for our salvation but because jesus took that punishment we didn't receive what we deserved we didn't receive the the lashes we didn't receive a beating until he was literally not recognized as a man we didn't receive the humiliation of hanging naked on a cross we didn't receive the mockery of the, the Lord of the universe saying, come down if you're God. Big shot, come down. But he did that for us. But that's what we deserved. But grace and mercy to combine together allow salvation to happen to us. I want to explain this to you. And, and I believe God gave me this just the other day. Mercy has forever removed, removed the eternal consequences of sin for the Christian. The Bible says that His mercy endures forever. And as long as you are in relationship with God, His mercy gets applied to your life. But mercy does not remove the penalty of sin if you commit it on this earth. There are people today that are born again, believers in prison for life that they will not get out. But God's mercy endures forever. And I believe that he's making it the best they can while they're in there. But that sin that they did on this earth is not applied to them because they are not receiving what they deserve. Galatians 6, 7, I'll bring it home for you real quick. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. That whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And I want to give you an example real quick of something that just, it's, it's so simple that you're going to go, you really couldn't come up with a better, a better example than that? But this is what I'm, and I believe this. You talk about somebody. We probably all do it at one point in time. But what I believe because of what that verse says, that when we do that, that then the enemy of our soul now has a right to open that up to where somebody can talk about you. But what I want to talk to you today about walking in mercy is this, is that even though you do it, you give yourself all the mercy in the world. I do. 
But then when somebody does it to us, they get zero mercy. Amen? Oh, okay, maybe it's just me. Back in the Old Testament, um, they had, a, they had a, a, a process of every year they would come together and they would sacrifice a lamb and, and doves or, or whatever it may be, and they would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat uh, of God, the Ark of the Covenant. And what I find very ironic about that is that it was called the mercy seat. It was found inside the holies of holies, and, and, and so they would go in there, and the priest would go in there and actually have bells on and a rope around his leg, and he would go in there and, and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat because of the sins of Israel. And, and really what that comes down to, I find it funny that it's called mercy seat, not grace seat, not goodness seat, not all-powerful God seat, mercy seat, because it took blood to pay the penalty so that God would not rain down judgment upon Israel even though they were his chosen people. And, and so we've got a pretty good idea now of what mercy is, and I'm going to talk to you how you can walk in it, and, uh, and I want God to help me. Father, we love you, and we lift you up this morning, God, and we just give you all the honor, praise, and glory. And God, and we ask for mercy today, God, your goodness and your mercy towards us, God. That, Lord, that as I preach this word today, God, that, Lord, it's going to land on ears that are fertile soil, God. Lord, it's going to take root in their heart. And, God, that it's just going to set in, Father. And, Lord, that they're going to get a grasp of mercy today. And, Lord, I just give this whole service to you. I thank you for what you've done and what you will do. In Jesus' name, amen. But let me, before I really dive in, let me tell you what mercy isn't. Mercy isn't being ran over. Mercy isn't taking, being taken advantage of. It's not to overlook transgressions as if they've never happened. It's not to ignore bad behavior. It's not to make excuses for. And in no way should mercy ever lead you to be harmed or intimidated or threatened. That is not what mercy is. But what mercy is, and what I'm going to dive into here in just a little bit, is uh, it's going to show you that mercy can be extended to almost anybody in any situation, normally when it's done against you. But I want to change the way you look at people and the way that you look at people who offend you. When I tell you, and I mentioned earlier that God has really been working this out in me, I have heard the Holy Spirit whisper mercy in my ear. Perfect example. I was at a stoplight, and I saw a lady trying to come out of a, a, a little uh, restaurant to the side. So I go, well, if I pull up there, then I block her way, and she got to kind of do this. So I stopped and let her, and it was going to give her room to either go all the way through or pull in. I am being a good driver, people, courteous and kind. Well, apparently she didn't like my version of good driving because she pulls out through the middle and just waves me off like that. And immediately, I got hot. I'm like, lady, I'm trying to help you out. And then you go and wave me off. And I just hear God, where's your mercy? Where's your mercy at, James? And I sit there, and he's and it's not only that. I've been yelled at by a customer that I didn't deserve. And I'm on the phone, and I'm listening to it. And I can hear God go, where's your mercy? Show them mercy. Show, understand what they're going through. Show them mercy. And I tell you what, it is going to revolutionize your life if you'll get a hold of this this morning. 
Now, I'm going back to James. This is when God started messing with me. I, I, I took Pastor up on his word where he said, I want you to read James once a day while we're preaching James. Well, I lasted about a week. But on day two, I was reading in the second chapter of James, and I came across this right here. I'm going to start at one. I'm going to read 1 through 4, then 9 through 11, then 13. It says, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, You sit here in a good place. And say to the poor man, You stand there, or you sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. I want to stop right there. Why are you reading that? That has nothing to do with judgment. I mean, mercy, it does. But I read that because I wanted to show you what James was trying to say here. He, he actually used the two worst things out of the Ten Commandments. If you look at it, even though love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and, and, and that's like number one, and I think that is the most important, but, but us as a society, we kind of grade them as we want, right? If somebody steals, we're like, oh, look at that. But if somebody's murder is like, oh, goodness, we can't have nothing to do with them at all. And I'm not trying to downplay any of that, but I find it ironic that James used about the worst two things that you could do out of the Ten Commandments to go, if you commit adultery and you don't murder, you're still a transgressor of the law. And what he's essentially saying is, if you break one part of the law, you're guilt you might as well be guilty of it all. Now don't go commit murder. But that is the seriousness of sin, and this is why I am laying this down for you today so that you understand just how much mercy is being applied to your life. If you commit murder, you need mercy. If you lie on your taxes, you still need mercy. If you talk about someone, you need mercy. If you, if you, if you turn around and, and take money from somebody, you need mercy. We need mercy every day. That's why it says His mercy is new every morning. And what I find so ironic and so crazy about how God loves us, it's almost like He says the moment you open your eyes, He's got a mercy Nerf gun pointed at your life, ready for you to mess up so that He can go, there's mercy. There's mercy. And what mercy does is it keeps you in relationship with the Lord. Verse 13, where I got the title of the whole sermon. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Another reason that I want to talk to you about mercy today is because if we're honest with ourselves, we're not very good at dealing it out. But God says right here in His Word, He said that, that you will endure judgment without any mercy if you show no mercy to anybody else. And I don't know about you, but I want as much mercy as I can get. I want it all applied to my life. 
I want to use up the mercy. I mean, technically, I don't want to use all the mercy up because I hope I'm, I'm behaving. But I want as much mercy every day as I need. And I want God to take it as easy on me as he can. Because why? Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So I am determined to go out there and just sow mercy every chance I get. And I know that by that, God is then going to turn around, whether it be his favor or humankind, that mercy is going to find its way back to me. And it'll do you too. Some of you are going, what is wrong with my life? And I'm not going to say that mercy is the only thing that's wrong, but there is a good chance that we are not sowing the seed that we need to sow so that we then can reap that same seed according to Galatians and, and that, that we can actually reap what we are putting out there. And I don't know about you, but I want to tell you something. And it might be down in my notes somewhere, but this sounds like a good place to put it. We are not meant to be reservoirs of anything God gives us. You're not supposed to be a reservoir in your money. You're not supposed to be a, a reservoir in your forgiveness. And surely not mercy, kindness, anything. You are not meant to get and pile it up and store it up in a little backyard pond and say, well, I'll just draw out of it whenever I want. Everything in the Word of God that He has ever given us is 100% to be channeled back to this world. You know what happens when you get full and you don't get an outlet? Everything gets stagnant. That's what's wrong with the Dead Sea, minus all the salt that's probably in it. But it's also, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the lowest point on the earth. It has no inlet and no outlet. It's dead. Nothing can live in it. And I find it ironic that they got a place called the Dead Sea, but yet I know for a fact that there is no... If that were the case, Jesus would have come down and said, all right, God, I'm your son, I'm here. Never done a thing for anybody else. Went to the cross, died, and said, okay, it's done. But he was going about the Father's business doing good. So I encourage you. I'm, I do, I, I, I'm not mad at you. I'm just desperate to help somebody start walking in mercy and let the mercy and the peace of God be applied in your life so that you can come back in a month from now and say, hey, brother, I heard what you said. I started applying it. And when I did that, stuff started changing in my life. And I'm going to share some things that God's already done in my life a little bit later. I, I'm going to read you John 8, 1 through 11, and I'm going to do it very quickly without mumbling. But I almost didn't want to do this story. I know that there's, very, there's a lot of stories in there, like lepers crying out, Oh, son of David, have mercy on us. And they had all these things. But I started thinking about the woman caught in adultery. And as I was reading that, and I just, I just started seeing stuff that I've never really saw before from a mercy standpoint. We, we, we pay a lot of attention to, you know, we'll look at that God forgave her, and, and you know, he, he said, you know, who's without, you know, uh, uh, sin cast the first stone. And, and all those are great points. And all those, you could preach sermons on every little single individual point in there. But there's a part in here that, that after I read it, I'm like, my goodness gracious, how have I missed that for the last 35 or 40 years? Just aged myself. John 8, 1 through 11, real quick. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. And as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. 
They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? And they were trying to trap him in the same something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. And when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus says, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. I want to tell you that is a picture of mercy. That's what I see in that story, and I may see it from now on. That was mercy. His Father, God Himself, had written that law and said, if you are caught in adultery, you shall be stoned immediately. You don't get a trial. You don't get anything. You get the death penalty. But something else that I noticed in this story that really blessed the living socks off of me is that if you notice, and this is what he's going to do to you and what he has done and what he will do, is I noticed that he stooped down to right, but you know what else he did when he stooped down? He was on her level. He wasn't standing above looking down. He got down there where she was. He was right there, I believe, in her face. And I believe that she could see what he was writing. And even though no one can tell you what was written, you know what I want to think that he wrote? Mercy. He wrote mercy. You're not going to get what you do deserve today on my watch. Because I am the son of the living God. And he tells me that I judge with a righteous judgment. You don't get it today. You get mercy. And if he did it for her, how much will he do it for you? He is ready, willing, and able to get down on your level and tell you, I've got mercy for you. But the biggest problem is, sometimes we don't want to accept that mercy. We'll tell him almost like that video, Judah Smith, Barabbas, and Jesus. You've probably all seen it. If you haven't, it's great. Go see it. But he goes, Jesus goes, hey, I want to set you free, Barabbas. And, 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 and what we do is in standing in the place of Barabbas, we want to go, no, 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 I'm not worthy. And he go, get out of here, I got it. No, 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 I deserve it. We have to learn to receive mercy every time he offers it. Amen? Listen to what Hosea 6, 6 says. My goodness. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and I desire the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. And this is what this tells me. It leaps off of the page to me is that God would rather you start walking in mercy and showing people mercy than serving them every single day. Because it's a sacrifice to you to do that. I'm not saying don't serve. Pastor, I did not say that. <laughs> Call me up this afternoon. we got to meet Monday. Soon. But what I'm saying is, if you want to know what God actually cherishes the most, He cherishes you Dealing out mercy. I love that. So how do we live out 
the mercy of God on our lives. And, and what did we learn with the interaction uh, of Jesus with the woman? Man, these are revelatory. Be kind to everyone. I told you. You're like, Pastor, you, six weeks, that's all you've got? Be kind. Because I don't know if you've noticed it, but being kind, which used to be a, a social construct that was applicable to most people, that in the day and hour that we live in now, being kind is something that a lot of people, that especially those who, who may not call themselves Christian, and some of them who do call themselves Christian, they're not very good at. But what I noticed with Jesus when He, he bent down and, and was talking or, or, or doing what He did, that the, the small interaction that they had, it screamed kindness. Listen to Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Paul was not talking to Israelites, so he, wasn't, he might have been talking to the church at Ephesus. But he was still talking to Gentiles. And so he was stressing to be kind and compassionate. And I, and I saw something just the other day that it made me sick to my stomach. It was a video. I don't know if it was fake. If it wasn't, they fooled me. But some guy had his phone up and they, they had a, a porta potty. And some big old burly guy took off running and just jumped into that porta potty and the thing just flipped right over on its side. Yeah. Again, don't know if it was staged. But it doesn't matter. The point is that the guy holding the video and some other people were all laughing like that was just the most innocent, funniest thing they ever could have done. And I'm sitting there just, just getting angry almost because I'm going, why in the world would anybody think that was funny? And I'm like, why can't we be kind? Where, where has that gone? How did it get away from us? But purposely, acting on purpose to being kind to everybody. Not just the ones that think like you. Not just the ones that look like you. Not just the ones that believe the way you do. Be kind to everybody. The Bible says, how will they know that you're mine? For the love that you show one to another. And being kind is a fruit of the Holy Spirit operating in your life. Be kind. The Bible said that we are salt and light. And it said, what good is salt if it loses its flavor? And what good is the light if you put a, a, a I'm going to call it a lampshade that blocks all the light out in the room. He's saying, what good is that? And I'm going to tell you something. I, I, I think the thing that's really weighing on my heart right now and what's really starting to really get inside my spirit and affect my life is that I don't want to get to heaven. Some of us just want to make it. I've been like that for a long time. I just want to get there. If I get there, I can live on the back street of heaven. Just get me there. But you know what? But the more that I've been set free... And, and of my thinking, it was a two-year process, not enough time to go into that, but Freedom Group had a lot to do with that. I'll shamelessly plug it. If you ain't been in it, you need to get in it. It will change your life. But 
But I'm sitting here. I want God to look at me. And as my, as my tape, as the, my videotape of my life is going by, I am determined that he's going to see me being kind. Am I doing it being kind for myself? No. A lot of times I'm being kind just for him. Sometimes I don't like to be nice. Sometimes, sometimes you get me on the wrong day. I'm like, mm, I need to go back to bed and wake up and start over again. A little, maybe a little uh, lunchtime power nap. Yeah, yeah, amen. How else can we do it? Point number two. Show compassion to everyone. And, and I, I love this. I'm going to say this. Strive to understand. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness. I love the way that these verses keep mentioning those two together. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And we are not only empowered to be this way for us, but we are commanded to clothe or to get dressed. To get dressed and offer compassion to other people and dress them up. In our compassion. He said clothe yourself. With kindness and gentleness. And humility. And compassion. He said put it on. Almost like you would a shirt. Or a pair of jeans. Put it on when you get up in the morning. In a spiritual sense. Put it on to commit to compassion. And kindness that day. Put it on that way. So you can then be dressed for battle. And be able to give compassion to somebody else. You're going, man, you're giving me a lot of work to do. I tell you, it's worth it. And I don't know about you, I'd rather just be going at it every single day for Jesus than to be in that lost, dull place. You know what I'm talking about? That place where God just seems a hundred miles away and, and nothing's really going on in your life except what you want going on in your life. And, and I tell you what, I'm not a big fan of that kind of living. It actually makes me miserable. So God, just put me in the burner, put me on the clay, the turning table with the clay, shape and mold me any way you want to, because as long as you're doing something, that means I'm getting better in one way, shape, or another. And that's all I want for me, and that's all I want for you. Amen? I said, I heard a preacher, I said, <laughs> heard a preacher say this, so I'm not, I can't take credit for it. He said, you can only effectively minister to your level of understanding. And mercy is, is, is absolutely rooted in the understanding. And what it is, I had a close family member of mine, I'm not going to say their name, but I had a close family member of mine, and they were doing some stuff that I could not wrap my mind around. For the life of me, I'm like, first of all, you are a pogue. You don't do that. And anyway, as it was going through, I just kept, I just, man, I was judging hard, really, if truth be told. I'm like, that, that's ridiculous. And then when God started dealing with me on mercy, I actually, I remember it was about a, a year ago, I was actually getting my tires rotated or balanced, and I was in there, and I sent him a text, and I said, I'm so sorry for judging you. I should have tried to understand. And then when I heard this preacher say that you're only able to minister to people, and, and dare I say that you're only going to be able to offer true mercy to people when you try to understand what they're going through. And it's hard. And again, point back to my previous remarks. I'm not asking to be ran over, taken advantage of, and all that other stuff. That is not what mercy is about. Mercy is just offering a level of forgiveness 
and to say, hey, look, I'm aware of what you've done, and I'm not okay with that, and I'm not going to allow that. But here's my mercy. I'm not going to let it affect our relationship one bit. And I extend forgiveness to you because I know, and, and here's the deal. Why do we expect people, especially those of the world that do not know God, they have zero power to change themselves. While we're sitting here walking around with the power of the, of the, the greatest God the history has ever known, the only true God, and His power living on the inside of us, so change is happening and, and change is, is manifesting itself in our life. And so we walk around, and, and technically when you don't offer mercy, it's a form of judgment, like it said in James 2, that you say, oh, well, I'm better than you. And therefore, mercy isn't applied. Pride gets applied. But mercy is trying to understand what someone is going through. For example, I got yelled. I told you earlier, I got yelled at by a customer. Not going to say their name either. Um, it was yesterday. I was hot and sweaty and out there helping a, a fellow church member with a project he's working on. And, and so I'm out there, and this guy calls me up, and he's just giving me the business. And I'm hearing God say, mercy, 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 the whole time. And I, and I got off the phone finally, and I walked in there, and I was sharing a little bit with this person. And I said, you know what? I bet you I know what happened. Y'all have no idea how far from the norm that is for me. I said, I bet you I know what happened. Because he was telling me, I took off for work today to be here. I said, he got up early, because we normally show up early on a job site. He then... It had went 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and nobody had showed up. Then he tried to call me, and I missed the call. Now I know the guy is livid. They stood me up. They I took a day off. They're not going to show up. They lied to me. So by the time I got my phone and actually called him right back, he was, he was done. So I, as soon as I said, hello, you're, you're, the, you're the second job today. Don't worry. They're going to be there. Oh, I'm second or third. I might as well just be last and just giving it to me. And that's when I told you earlier, I'm hearing God hear mercy. But here's the deal. I was able to let that slide right off of my back because I sought to understand. And guess what happened five minutes later? I got a text. James, I apologize for acting that way. I know scheduling can be a problem sometimes. It will not happen again. I ask for your forgiveness. That's Jesus. Be only because I just sought to understand. And I honestly believe that that was God's reward to go see what happens when you apply mercy. Because when you apply mercy, it sets me free to be your defender and work on your behalf. If that don't get you excited, I don't know what will. Oh, my goodness. They're lost in sin and they have no, cur they have no power to control themselves or to change themselves. I mentioned that. Okay. Point number three. Encourage everyone always. And before I get too far, I want you to know how I tie this, tie this in the best summer ever. B, be kind. S, show compassion. E, encourage everyone always. Ephesians 4.29 said, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen I love that that Jesus when he said there let me go back up here and read it when Jesus asked her I, I, I love that 
I think this was it's compassion, kindness, and encouragement wrapped up into one little deal. Hey, woman, where are your accusers? I almost can't help but to think he might have said it with a smile on his face. I don't know, Lord. Nobody's here. Ah. Well, if they're not going to condemn you, I'm sure not. And here's the encouraging part. I've saved your life. So what I want you to do is I want you to go and sin no more. Do we think for one second that that lady never committed another sin? Not for a minute. Do we even know if she ever committed that particular sin again? I don't know. Honestly, I don't even care. But what I know is that she had an encounter with God. And mercy was poured out almost like the perfume was poured out on Jesus' feet to anointing for His burial. And as that mercy was applied and compassion came pouring in and her life was changed from that moment on, I can't help but to think that she left encouraged. See, you got to take it one step further. Because when Jesus applies mercy to our life, and after the things that we have done that are not pleasing to Him, He still looks at us and He goes, Hey, where are your accusers? I ain't got nothing to say to you except, Hey, go and just do your best and I'm with you. There's no standard. He wants us to do great. He does. He wants us to be good. But how can a God who understands that we are in this flesh and that we are doing the best that we can, He knows that His grace and mercy is new every morning. He tells us that because He knows that we are but flesh. But I also believe, even though we're always going to need grace, I think that we should be working toward a point where we need it a little less as we, as we grow as Christians. Can you agree with that? We're always going to need it. We're never going to be perfect if we just judge us by what we do and what we say. In closing, Micah 6, 8. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. What does the Lord require? To love mercy. And I wrote this down in my notes that they were singing a song over there. You want me to tell you what mercy can help you do? If you've been holding on to unforgiveness for a long time, and if you'll start trying to apply mercy to that situation, I believe mercy leads to forgiveness. If you're struggling with that, honestly, I don't think unforgiveness or forgiveness can lead to mercy. I think mercy has to be in the beginning. So if you've struggled with unforgiveness, I implore you. Actually, I will beg you 
to start trying to apply the principles of mercy. Understand. Try to understand. Try to be kind, compassionate. And I think it can lead to you having finding victory and forgiveness. Be kind. Show compassion. Encourage everyone always. I've got a little saying, and, and I, I use it with, with, with Josh a lot, and, and because I, I, we love talking Ave, and we're talking, and, and we're talking about, and it was something maybe, you know, yeah, it's easy to love people who love you, but it's hard to love people that, that, that don't love you, and, and I always say, that's where the rubber meets the road in Christianity. There are going to be times when you have to tackle the hard parts. There are times when you have to dive in and you've got to hold on and grit your teeth and set your face and be determined in your heart that I don't care how hard it is, I'm not letting go. I am getting through this. And that's the hard part of Christianity sometimes is doing some of that. But let me ask you, what has it done for me? I'm not going to tell you that to do it and then not tell you what it can do. This is what it done for me just so far. I don't get upset at people like I used to. And, 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 and let me clarify that a little bit. If y'all think that I was running around just all the time, that's that, not the case. But even the little times that I did, it seemed like they've been diminished. That I, I'm, I'm just not upset as much over situations or people or anything like that and normally those two go hand in hand but it's just just because I, I keep hearing the Holy Spirit talk about mercy I have more peace if you're not upset all the time about whatever then peace is going to reign in your life and that's what I want another one I feel closer to God because it is something that, that He's been back and forth with me every single day almost. Just, just whispering in my ear. I, there's nothing that has come up probably in the last three weeks that, that could be a little bit troublesome that I don't hear the Spirit say, remember mercy. You know what it does? It actually takes my eyes off of what they did and then turn it around and go, let me get mercy out of me somehow, some way. And it diminishes whatever I'm going through and elevates the process of trying to offer mercy. Am I great, Christian? Am I bragging? Absolutely not. I am telling you, God knew this was the, the time in my life that mercy had to start being applied. And I've got some mercy to do when I get home. I had a brand new pair of Nike Air Jordans I've worn one time. I can't find them. And I've got a son that wears my size. And I'm already, I, that happened this morning. Boy, my temperature started going up. And I'm like, you cannot let that get you. you got to go preach a sermon. But even then, I, got, I actually, I said, okay, Lord, how do I apply mercy to that? You'll show me. Another thing that I hear God speaking to me more clearly. Not just mercy on almost everything. And I tell you what, if you have never experienced God whispering into your soul, 
honestly, you don't know what you're missing. To know that he has, the God of the universe who, eight billion people, nine billion people, says, I'm going to talk to James today. And if you think I'm crazy, that's okay. But I know that it's heavier than a thought, and it normally comes out of the blue, and it's always encouraging and kind and full of compassion. Because mercy is being applied to my life. Mercy has been shown to me. I I shared that a little bit earlier. But it's just amazing how things start working out, Jessica. Things that maybe shouldn't or maybe didn't in the past, now all of a sudden they just seem to be working out. And then that leads to all the other stuff that I mentioned. So, in closing, is it worth it to pursue mercy and putting it into your life? Absolutely it is. For there is nothing that we will not do, good or bad, that we put into the ground that will not reap a harvest back to us. And that's the good, good God that we serve. Would you stand to your feet today? Every head bowed, every eye closed. If I could, I'd like to invite our prayer partners up. If you want prayer this morning, I encourage you to to take this moment and this opportunity to pray. But I want to talk to someone in here today that you say, I don't know Jesus. I I mean, I've heard of Him, or, or maybe, man, I used to be a lot closer to Jesus than what I am today, and I want to get back to that place. If that's you, I just want you to shoot your hand up real quick. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's speaking. Yes, I see the hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Amen. See the hand. We're going to pray today. And I I, I want to tell you something just in case. This mercy operating in your life, God's merciful. You're still here if you don't know Him, but but these principles apply to His children. And I don't want to play God and say that's all the way across the board. I'm not God. I don't know. But I know that when you have access to His throne as being a child of God, that God implements these things in your life. So it's very important to make a decision today, if you have not, that God be your Savior. So if you can, every head bowed, every eye closed, everyone just say it out loud and repeat with me. Say, Father, I come to you today. Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to wash me clean. Father, I'm a sinner and I need you. And come live in my heart and be my Savior. I believe you died for me and rose in three days. And according to your word, In the confession of my mouth, I am now saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody give Jesus a hand clap of praise this morning.